So our reading this morning uh, will be in John, the Gospel of John. If you've got a church Bible, that is page uh, 1065. Uh, but if you'd like to turn there with me in your Bibles, if you have one, that'll be great. Keep that open. Uh, but I've also got it on the slides behind me, uh, which you can follow along with as I read. So we'll be reading from verse 1 through to uh, verse 20, oh sorry, no, verse 1, sorry, through to the, um, yes, 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again, this charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So we're continuing our series this morning of Beholding Jesus, that we look at an aspect of his character uh, with, with, uh, with the hopes that we, as we see him, we'll be transformed um, in our walk with him as we encounter him, who he is. And this morning we see him as the good shepherd. So let's come together and pray to him this morning, asking for his help. Lord, we, we thank you that this morning we can continu- continue uh, coming to behold you. We, we ask that you would give us fresh eyes today to see your glorious person and who you are. Would you give us fresh eyes to see Uh, Jesus presented to us as the good shepherd. Lord, we need your help. Lord, our our hearts are often distracted. Uh, Our minds wander. Lord, keep us and our attention fixed on you this morning as we see who you are and what that means for us. Lord, I pray that you would use me, that you would give me the words to say, that you would help me to speak clearly. Uh, Lord, that you would be glorified. Uh, through the preaching of your word. And, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Now, what is it that makes a good leader? Uh, I would argue that a good leader is not just somebody who has all of the leadership skills, but a good leader uses those leadership skills to lead others to a place that is good. For example, a, a hiking instructor can very well effectively lead people off a path. You know, they can lead people into a place that is not good. They can lead them into a place that is quicksand. And I would argue that that is not a very good hiking instructor. Uh, but on the, on the other hand, a good hiking instructor will lead us and keep us on the right path, using good leadership to take us to a place which is good. And see, leaders are supposed to be people that we can look to, people that we can trust. We want to know that they care. We want to know that they care even for the little guy. You know, we want to know that we can feel safe putting our lives and our livelihoods in their hands. We want to know that, that they aren't going to abuse it. We want to know that they're not going to forget about us. We want to know that they are going to do what's best for us. But often, sometimes, that's not the case. We, we hear about leaders in society that seem to be really good, but then a few years later, we hear all of these allegations come up from their past about the things that they had done. Uh, or maybe even governments and political parties who fail to meet the real needs of people, or the people that they are meant to have leadership and care over, they fall short of that. And if we look into our, our own history, maybe, we, we, we might have looked to people, and we've looked to people to trust them, and, and, and we've only been let down. You know, we've, we've looked to people for leadership, and they've disappointed us. We've needed help, but they've ignored us. And so we're left asking the question, is there anybody that I could look to who will really care for me? No, who will really look after me? Who really knows what I need? Who can I fully devote myself to and know that in the end they're not going to screw me over? And our passage tells us that the person that we can look to is Jesus. And see, it, it presents to us that Jesus is the good shepherd and that we can find life and comfort following him, being his sheep under his leadership. So how is this true? Well, we're going to look at three points this morning. And we'll see that it's true because as a shepherd, Jesus knows his sheep. And secondly, Jesus leads his sheep. And thirdly, Jesus cares for his sheep. And they'll be up behind me so that we can keep track of that as we go through. But that is Jesus knows his sheep, he leads his sheep, and he cares for his sheep. So let's jump into a bit of the backdrop of this passage, okay? Because this passage, it's picking up on so much Old Testament lingo. It's picking up a lot of illustrations that is common throughout the Old Testament. It's picking up on God's relationship to his people as God as a shepherd and his people as a sheep, his people that he had saved. And the reason that is because what does a shepherd do? A shepherd gathers, a shepherd tends and, and leads their flock. He feeds their flock. He protects their flock. And so too does God for his people. And sheep, they get into trouble. Now, I, know, I know there's a few shepherds in, in church this morning. They'll know that sheep just get their heads stuck in fences. They get into places that they shouldn't meant to be. Right? Sheep get into trouble. They need to be gathered. They need to be protected. They're helpless to fend off predators by themselves. And so they rely on their shepherd's care for them. And that's exactly the dynamic. That's exactly how we see God's people uh, relating to their shepherd, their God. And in part of God's providence, he, he appointed uh, leaders in Israel. 
And these leaders were meant to be under-shepherds of him. They were meant to be people who would lead his people towards life. That they would be people that would lead them spiritually, that they would feed them spiritually and nourish them you know, down a path which is righteousness, a path that walks in faith, a path that walks in life with God rather than a path that walks away from God, a path of sin and death and judgment. But the thing is, those shepherds failed. You know, they abused their position. They neglected the needs of the people. They tried to get themselves ahead at the cost of others. And that's exactly what we can see today, isn't it? Now, we see people abusing their position. Now, we see people neglect the needs of people, and we see people trying to get ahead at the cost of others. And, and the consequence of that, the results of that, was that the people were left suffering. They were directionless. They were let down. They were neglected. They were wandering into sin and destruction, wandering to places that they shouldn't be. And that's a fix that we can still experience today at the cost of bad leadership. And God's response to that situation was that he himself will come and he will rescue his sheep. And it's a promise that he made uh, through the prophet Ezekiel that he himself will be the shepherd, that he will come and restore his sheep. And so fast forward 600 years from that promise, we come to our text this morning. And what we see is we see Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and he's speaking to the religious leaders of the day. And what is he doing? He's calling them out on their failures to shepherd God's people. See, these, fail, these, these false shepherds were continuing all the way up until this moment. And as he calls them thieves and robbers, he separates himself from them and from all other types of leaders by revealing himself as this promised good shepherd. And he, and he, and he applies all of the, the Old Testament imagery of God as a shepherd to himself. And so we shouldn't see Jesus as just a normal shepherd. We shouldn't just see him as a, a, a plain old good leader, but we should see him for who he really is. That he's the eternal son of God, God in the flesh who has come to be the good shepherd, to lead and to save his people and to bring people into his flock. And so it's a good thing to be Christ's shepherd. Sorry, to be Christ's sheep. It is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing to follow Christ because he is unlike anyone else. So how is he the good shepherd? And why is it a good thing to be his sheep? Well, point one is that Jesus knows his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. What kind of shepherd is Jesus? He's one who calls his own sheep by name. If we read in verse 3, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. So there's something, there's something about being called by your name. Now, when I was trying to get my mum and dad's attention as a kid, I'd, and they weren't listening to mum and dad, I'll call them by their name. And as soon as I did that, they would hear me straight away. Now, there's something special about names. There's something deep about it. There's something personal about it. It's genuine. It's real. Now, they mean something. And to, and to even prove that, in World War II, in, in the concentration camps, they, they took away people's names. They dehumanized them by giving them a number. They, they took away people's, an aspect of who they are, their title. This is who we are. This is, our name represents us. Okay, so our names are significant. And those who follow Christ are known and called by name. God doesn't say to his sheep, come here, you mongrel. He doesn't, he doesn't say, I just know of you. 
but he knows you intimately and he calls you by your name. And nobody else is like that. And China has the, China has the world's biggest population in the country. They have, they have one and a half billion people. That is a lot of people. And imagine if Xi Jinping, who's the leader of China at the moment, could say hello to every single person in this country by name. Imagine just walking down the street, being able to say hello and introduce themselves and say hi uh, and know their name. No, that would be absolutely crazy, wouldn't it? But, it? but it's impossible for him to do that. He could never know all of his people that well. But it's not impossible for God. See, when we follow Jesus, he calls you by your name. You're not a number to him. You're not just a pawn in his cosmic scheme of plans, but you're a person, you're his sheep. You're his possession. And he calls you by your name. See, he knows us so deeply. In verse 14, he says, I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. So the exact same way that Jesus knows his sheep is the same way that Jesus knows his Father and the Father knows Jesus. Now, let's unpack that a little bit because that's massive. Now, we're talking about the eternal triune God, the Father and the Son, who have known each other for all of eternity. You know, there's no more, you can't get more intimate knowing one another uh, more than the Father knows the Son and the Son knows the Father. But Jesus is saying, well, that's the exact same way that I know my sheep. <laughs> that's, that's phenomenal. Like Jesus knows his sheep the same way that the Father knows the Son and the Son knows the Father. And so everything about us, it's, it's laid out bare before Jesus. Now, he knows our every limp. He, he knows our scars. He knows our every wondering. He knows our fragility. He knows our age. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our strengths. He knows everything. And I think some of us would rather forget some parts about ourselves and rather not know about them. We've all got dark, dark corners in the innermost parts of our being that would rather not have a light shine on them because we would rather not accept that they're there. And we're afraid that if, if other people were to know about those areas, then, then maybe they might reject us. Maybe they won't want to be with us anymore. And there'll be nothing worse than being fully known and being fully rejected. But Jesus doesn't look at us and reject us. He knows the real us. He knows the real imperfections of us, but he calls us by, his, by our name and he leads us. Which brings us to point two. How is their life and comfort being Christ's sheep? Well, because Jesus not only knows his sheep, he doesn't just call them by their, by their name, but he also he leads them. So verse four, when he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. So the confidence for followers of Christ is that we never enter into something in life where Jesus isn't already there with us in. See, we have confidence wherever we walk that though it might be scary, we know that Christ has gone before us, and that he's with us, and he leads us. And when I, was, when I was younger, my sister and I, when we would go through a path or something, or playing in the trees, I loved when she went first. I love when she went first because it meant that when she went first, she took on all the nasties, all the spiderwebs, all the cobwebs and stuff, and she, and she made the path clear for me, and I knew that where I was going to step, uh, it was going to be okay. The branch that I was going to put my hand out to and hold on to, that was going to be okay. 
I had a lot of comfort knowing that she went first. And that's exactly the same for us with God, because God goes himself before us. We can have confidence in his leading. And we want to know that the person that we are following has our best in mind, don't we? We, won't, we don't want to be uh, following like Pharisees who actually were taking us away from God. We don't want to uh, be following people that will, or someone who's going to lead us into death. Um, but Jesus is the one who's, who's leading us into life. He's, he's leading us into safety from our sin, to salvation, rather than, uh, rather than into death. And so how do we see that? How do we, how do we know that from this passage? Well, we need to understand that we have all sinned. We need to understand that we have all walked away from God to live our own way rather than God's way. We've all you know, looked at the green grass over there and thinking, oh, I want some of that green grass and thought that that would be better, our sin would be better than living life with God. And so Isaiah 53 verse 6 says that we like sheep, we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. So we, we've turned from green pastures of life with God because we'd rather eat in the fields of sin, a meal that doesn't taste so good in the end, a meal that might taste like green grass now, but it's going to be a meal that's going to cause us to rot. And unless something is done, we will all have to face the consequences of our sin and our wanderings under God's just judgment. But Jesus, our good shepherd, he's taken the initiative to save his sheep to provide a way for God's people to be saved. See, the Pharisees, they were bad shepherds. Verse 1 and verse 10, it tells us that they were, they were thieves and robbers, and destroying and killing. And why were they destroying and killing? It was because what they were doing was they were actually robbing people from their life because they were taking them away from living a life in fellowship and union with God. They believed that their own efforts would be enough to cover their sin. They believed that their own works would be enough to make themselves acceptable before God again. And they were putting that weight on the people. And maybe if we clean ourselves up, we might not look like that wrangly sheep that ran away. Maybe if we did all of these things, God might accept us back into his flock and into his pasture again. But they were wrong. It doesn't work that way. Any teaching that says that by our own efforts, we'll be able to warrant ourselves to be God's people is wrong because we can't change the fact that in the beginning, we were the sheep that wandered from him. We can't change that on our own. And so unlike the leading of the Pharisees and the religious leaders, verse 10, Jesus came so that the sheep may have life and have life abundantly. How? Well, verse 11, because he is the good shepherd and as the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. God laid on Jesus our sinfulness. He became the sacrifice for us to pay for our sin, and he dies on the cross. And so what does he do? He, he's gone before his sheep into the death that we were meant to die. He's gone before his sheep to take on the wrath, the judgment of God, so that it doesn't fall onto his sheep. So he's gone before us. And he can give us life because through faith in him, we are restored through the life that he's been risen to. See, Jesus has authority over life and death. He has the authority over his own life and death. He's the one that laid it down. Verse 18, he's the one that has the authority to take it up. And so Christ's death shows he paid for our sin, but Christ's resurrection shows his victory 
over sin and the life that he will give to his sheep. And so in verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. See, so the way to God is by going through the door. It's by going through Jesus. The way that we enter into being God's flock, his sheep, is by going through the door. It's by faith and trust in Jesus. And we know that he has gone before us to be victorious over our sin, to be victorious over death. And so Jesus doesn't just, he doesn't just lead us to death, but he leads us to life. He leads us to pastures. He leads us to righteousness. He leads us to a place where we can feast and feed on God's grace for all of eternity. See, it is a good thing to be Christ's sheep. And there is life being his sheep. And finally, Jesus cares for his sheep. When things aren't ours, we're a bit more willing to be, we're a bit more willing to be careless about it. You know, when, when, when things aren't ours, uh, we, we, we're not as careful. I don't know if you've ever had like a loan car from a shop before um, when your car's in the mechanic or something. And you're not as worried about the kilometers that goes on that clock. You don't care because that's not your car. <laughs> um, and if you're like me, I don't mind so much if my foot's a bit more heavier on the brakes because they're not my brakes. Um, and we're a bit more quick to accelerate because it's not our fuel. You know, we're a bit more careless about things that aren't ours because they're not our possession and we don't really have an attachment to it. But Jesus isn't careless with us. If we read in verse 12, it talks about a hired hand. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. See, a hired hand doesn't care for the sheep like the owner of a sheep does. See, a hired hand, they'll leave the sheep when the going gets tough. Because he cares more about himself than the sheep. But Jesus is not like that. It's not who he is. He isn't a hired hand, but he's the good shepherd who owns his sheep. And so he doesn't leave his sheep. He stays with his people because he cares for them. And he's proven that he cares for his people, hasn't he? Because he's died for his sheep. He's died for us. Now, we've all seen those movies where there's this young character who gets partnered with this old character, and this old character's real rough, you know, hates the new character, but they have to because it's work. And so they, but throughout the, throughout, the, throughout the movie, they sort of grow closer towards one another, and you sort of start seeing this old, this old character start to soften up to the new partner. But then in the end, he jumps in front of a bullet, and he saves his partner. And then in the end, we're thinking, oh, he really does care. He really does actually care for his partner because he's laid his life down for them. You see, Jesus has taken the bullet for us. So we can know that he does care for us because we can look to the cross. And if we ever doubt his care for us, we just need to look to the cross. As the shepherd who was willing to lay his life down for his sheep. Now that is care. Jesus really cares about us because we are his. We are his possession. And the moment that we turn from our wanderings, and follow and trust Christ. We are his sheep. And all these things are true for us today. So how should we live? Well, the, the, this passage invites us to come to Jesus. It invites us to come and follow him. And time and time again in this passage, the true people of God 
follow their shepherd. They don't follow a stranger's voice. Verse 5. But they listen and they know the voice of their shepherd and they follow him. See, many of the Jews and the Pharisees, they didn't listen to Jesus. They said, verse 20, he has a demon. He is insane. Why should we listen to him? And so they proved to not be genuine followers of God. Now remember, these were the people, these were historically God's people. These were the people that he had saved out of Egypt. These are the people that he had covenanted with and promised to. But they weren't God's people because they didn't know God like true sheep know their true shepherd. And so what this tells us is that it's possible to believe that we are God's people, to believe that we'll be people who will receive God's promises and to be wrong. Because like Israel, being God's people, it doesn't mean that you just do certain things. Being born into a Christian home, that's not what makes us Christian. Reading our Bibles, it's not what makes us Christian. Praying does not make us Christian. But it's, but it's receiving Jesus and it's receiving him as our shepherd and following him that makes us Christian. That's what makes us God's people. And those who continue to do so will know life and they'll know life abundantly and they'll have comfort in their shepherd. And it's an abundant life because we get to live with a shepherd who knows us who leads us and who cares for us. It's not abundant because it's just smooth sailing all the time, but it's abundant because it's a life that's held in the hands of our shepherd. So who is it that knows our needs? Who is it that pays attention to the big and the small? Who won't let us down? Who will always be there for us? It's Jesus. It's Jesus, our good shepherd, who knows and who leads and cares for his sheep. But the question is, will we listen Will we trust him and will we walk with him? And will we come to the door that he has wide open for us to come in and find pasture with God? See, Jesus knows all of the ins and the outs of our lives. He knows if we're struggling. He knows if we're in pain. He knows if we're rejoicing. He knows everything. He knows wherever we're at. And he calls us by our name and he says to us today, let me take you to find rest for your souls. Let me lead you to green pastures. Let me lead you beside still waters. Let me comfort you in the dark valleys. Let me show you the abundant life of being my sheep under my care. See, there is comfort in life being Christ's sheep. It's not intangible, but this is real. This is real. So will we come to him? Will we listen to him? Will we trust him? Because it is comforting when, when, we, when we meet those tough times, when we meet those dark days, to know that our shepherd has gone before us in them. Right? That's comforting, that he himself will lead us through, that he has defeated all evil. And so we, like the psalmist in, in Psalm 23 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you're with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Is it not comforting that Jesus will never leave you? Even when others will leave you, your shepherd stays. When you become lost, he promises to bring you back. When you're hurt, he will lift you up and bind your wounds. When you're hungry, he will feed you. See, there's ongoing life and comfort being Christ's sheep. But will we be people who will listen to his call?
as he calls us by name and says, come with me today. And will we trust his leading and will we follow him as our good shepherd? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our good shepherd, the good shepherd of the sheep who lays down his life. Lord, we thank you that we can know you and the comfort that you bring to our life, that you don't just give us life, but you give us abundant life in yourself, that you lead us to green pastures, you lead us to life, that we can trust you with our whole being and know that you're not going to neglect us or leave us. Lord, you know us. And it's amazing that you know us and you've come to die for us still to bring us into your people, to bring us into be your flock, your sheep, who you love, who you treasure. And Lord, we thank you that you lead us in life. We thank you that we can have confidence in your leading because of your nature as being a good shepherd. And you've shown that by dying on the cross. We thank you for that and we praise you for that this morning. Lord, we ask that wherever we are at today uh, in our walk with you, we would hear your call as you call us by name and that would be people that follow joyfully. Lord, bring us comfort in the dark places and bring us life and even more life when we are rejoicing in you. So please work these things uh, in our own lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.